Welcome to a bonus episode of Hypecast. Part four! <laughs> that sounded like old Annie from Halloween. <laughs> Part four! You know, you know no oh, yeah. key! Was you getting in that car? Oh, yeah. My Paul. The Bracketology. Telegraph Hill by Mr. GLPs. GLPs. In honor of us kind of mocking GLPs last week, I'm going to read the description on the back of his tin. I actually like this description. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, that kind of like runs in the face of like the way I've been making fun of his other ones. Go ahead. Do, Do an honest a way, way you would pretend I didn't say that. Pretend I didn't say it. What do you want me to do? Read it like read it in old Joe, old Zach Schmuck voice. I don't know if I got a schmuck voice. Well, <coughs> usually how you talk. <laughs> I'm kidding. Here we go. A sturdy foundation of Virginia tobaccos, each chosen for its particular character is enhanced with fine flakes of Perique for a refined smoking experience. Telegraph Hill is a rich and flavorful with a satisfying lingering finish. Each sip builds upon the last, creating a marvelous edifice of taste and aromas. You won't want you won't worry about earthquakes if your pipe is filled with this wonderful blend. That last line got me until I realized that it's a map of San Francisco yeah. on the tin. I'm like, oh, okay. Fog City. Yeah, I get it. I actually didn't really realize that San Francisco just till then kind of dealt with earthquakes. I thought that was an L.A. problem. I did too. No. That was my country voice. That was not sophisticated for y'all who, who doesn't, who don't uh, really know. So, Yeah. I mean, I guess, like, I don't really have a sophisticated voice. I basically have two voices, the one I speak in, and then every once in a while I'll get really upset at people. I'll do a really countrified voice. <laughs> like, or try to, at least, do something that I think is kind of amusing to me to mock someone. Well, when you when you do your... When we play that Mansions of Madness game... That's you the only voice I do. Every once in a while I'll do, like, an effeminate male voice. yeah. I mean, I could do a country voice, but that would just be how I speak now. Yeah, I'd be kind of curious, like, I mean, because I know I have an accent, but I think it's a little bit more masked, maybe, than, well, especially in the South, I don't really catch it a lot. People are like, where are you from? I'm like, uh, Alabama. Yeah, but like, where before that? It's like, no, dude, I was raised here. <laughs> where before that? My mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom. <laughs> I lived in this little shack called my dad's boss. <laughs> it, was a, it was a dark place. Yeah. You know. So other people didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, yeah, that's where I was at before Alabama. <laughs> I just thought about, like, a, what was that? Uh... Age of Ultron movie when uh, Ultron's talking about how he had to kill Jarvis. He goes, the other guy, he was nice. 
yeah, or something like he didn't make it. Mm -hmm. I'm like you, you looking at your almost could have been fellow Ken. Right. Like, yeah, the other guy he didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, one of the funniest things I'd ever heard was this guy saying like, "I love talking to my son." Because, like, it's not every day you get to have a conversation with a guy who used to live in your boss. <laughs> I always thought that was really funny. Like, <laughs> it's like, that's crazy. But, yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um, sort of getting into Telegraph Hill, I, I like it. I mean, there's not a lot of... Once again, I don't feel like there's much going on with this. Yeah, it's not that complex. But I do think it is it is better than Elizabethan. Mm -hmm. I almost, I think I like it better than than Peter Stokeby. Well, citrus is there, kind of like. It's interesting too because when you open up Telegraph Hill, you don't really smell it. Yeah, like I open up. There, there are certain retray blends um, like Brown Clooney and stuff, and there are certain like Fillmore where it's like I get this deep sort of ripe, maybe overripe fruit hay, and then like a little spice and sourness, and then you get your citruses, and that's just in the inhale of the open tin. That has nothing to do with your first light or your, you know, or your, you know actual light we're not even talking about halfway through the bowl so it's kind of interesting that I don't get any of those nuances up front it feels like maybe there's not maybe it's that whatever is put on Fillmore actually strengthens it but I can tell you this Fillmore being a broken flake it's like basically all uniform it's so richer like a darker color mm. Telegraph Hill you could see variations in it. Um, not everything's so uniform. Not everything looks the same. And it doesn't feel like there's much of a topping on it at all, which is not a loss. But, a plus, um, in my opinion, that there's not, you know, not a lot on top of it. Mm -hmm. I think it's the spiciest. Like it's, I, think there's, I think there's more perique in this than any blend that we've smoked. You're really right, which I don't think is a, is a bad thing either. Mm -hmm. Like, you kind of want things to be at the forefront like that. Like, uh, if you go through several blends where it's just a touch, just a pinch, just a whisper of Perique, you know, it sets you up for really enjoying something, which probably puts the others at a disadvantage because it's like, well, now we can try something that is keyed into some other aspect of the blend uh, that we're not really used to or comfortable with at the moment, but... I mean, I mean, that's kind of why I like doing this because you, you know, I mean, I can tell you this, that everything we've tried from the Englishes through the Vapors, minus maybe a Scudo, not, none of them really are in any type of regular rotation with me. Mm. And I think the only reason a Scudo wins out is because I just like the convenience of the blooms. Mm. Yeah, because I think most pipe smokers have... Scooter is readily available, you know? And it's not expensive. Not terribly expensive. You know, I don't want you to go out and break the bank. But, I mean, you can get a hold of a Scooter, so that shouldn't be a problem. 
But I mean, none of the other blends. Granted, I mean, Elizabethan doesn't exist. 965 doesn't exist. Those are some deep cuts trying to get into that. You have to kind of go into your cellar. Squadron Leader, difficult to find, you know? Um, Margate, difficult to find. But um, I have all of them. And uh, none of them are in any type of rotation. Yeah, maybe something else we can look forward to is said pulling in our favorites and sort of you know okay so like the way we went about this tobracotology this year's with the english and the vapors was we basically i don't know if we even mentioned this to everybody but the list that people chose from in the voting that was a list of you know the top reviewed ones from tobacco reviews and it had to have it had to have a certain so many uh reviews and it had to be a certain rating and what you got was that i think maybe the next time we do it maybe in a year or two um you know maybe sooner uh we just pick out the list of our favorites and then because we already know they're our favorites and then and then we let the voting decide who the winners are do a reverse in a way because basically basically the listeners voted for what we would we would compete against but instead we pick it and then let them vote to see who wins but only pick the ones we like hmm. it's sort of like a role reversal in a way how do we get them to smoke the things though? I mean well that's kind of the way we did it we wanted to it's sort of like that no because I guess we're not smoking Was that, well I mean we'll still smoke them I'm just saying they will will just name tobacco that aren't even within that block well, of high rates. Well, no, I guess what I'm saying is like when we put out the list, it'll be a list of our favorites together. So like the Vapors are going to have Chelsea Morning, Westminster, mm-hmm. Reiner, um, uh, did I already say Fillmore? Fillmore. Yeah, uh, maybe. Go ahead. Um, you know, ones that we like. And then whichever one gets the most votes, because I'm sure people have, have 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 had them. And whichever ones get the most votes, so that's the winner. And that's what we smoke, right? Yeah, and then we just smoke and talk about it. We we don't even compete because we already know we like them. Hmm. Unless you do like a, a like an audience favorite, like you. Well, do, the thing uh, is, is I like having a critique from the audience. I'd even like it to go further. Is that like we put in a rating system, we do an episode on it, and then we let other people rate it and kind of get a, like a polled version of what everyone... Yeah, sort of like a Rotten Tomatoes, where it's like the critics review and the audience score. Yeah, right. Yeah. And then we can give a percentage versus percentage. Granted, it'd be great if we could have a couple more people, where you could have five people, and it's like if five out of five like it, and it's got a 100% review score, I mean, from audience. Yeah. But I think it would be interesting to get more people involved. I like people actively talking or commenting on the stuff that we're smoking. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Because, I mean, because, I mean, I know what I like. Yeah. And honestly, like, they're listening to hear what we like, I suppose. Maybe they're interested in our personalities a little bit. Um, but, I mean, I'm sure they're just getting a second opinion. But at the same time, it's like, I do the same thing. I want to hear what people think. 
typically I'll avoid that before I smoke it to try to get an understanding of it. Yeah. Or sometimes, I, I mean, because to me, tobacco reviews kind of just, it'll lay it out for you. And I can get an idea of what it's going to be like. And then based on, you know, a number of, I try to find tobaccos that have been reviewed, like a hundred plus reviews. And then if it, if it's a, if it's a three or up, I mean, the odds are I'm probably going to like it. It's very rare that I don't like something. Yeah. And a three or up, you know? Yeah. We'll, we'll tinker with it. We'll, maybe we'll come out. Because, like I said, I think I agree with you. The fact that Fillmore and, at least in my opinion, uh, Reiner isn't in this battle is sort of doing a disservice. And well, also... I mean, yeah, because in a way, in a way, I feel like people can sense that that thing's topped and they, don't, they stay away from it. And I don't think a topping or a casing really hurts a blend necessarily every time. Because I told you guys, I like, you know, right now, in my opinion, with the, the weather and everything, the way it is and the way it's changing, this is Lakeland Grousemore weather. Yeah. Uh, Virginia Perique is an English's, not so much for Virginia Perique. They're kind of a night thing. But they're taking a dive. English's are going to take a back seat except on, like, maybe a Saturday night. But, like, all my Lakelands, aromatics and stuff, Virginia's especially, and Dark Fire, they're all about to come out. Mm. Those are summer smokes to me. Hmm. So, I think Vapors are probably going to gonna keep riding front for me right now. I think. I like them. I mean, that's not, you know, I'm not, and the, and the Englishes are still there. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying. You I'm, know I'm, what I know. You I'm, know, I know. I'm just saying, talking about the, the weather for me, the vapors are going to kick up, kick it up during the warmer months. Just because Englishes, I completely agree. They will fall back. I just, there's something about it. It's like, I want, it's a winter smoke to me. I don't get it. What, English? Or yeah, English. Yeah, yeah, English yeah. Falcon. I don't get it. And if it's not a winter, let's just say hypothetically I'm going to smoke it, It will. there will not be sunshine mm. if I'm smoking it. See, I think because of the vapors, because of that hayness, makes me think, um, or that grassiness, you know, summer, summery. Mm-hmm. And I like the little spice. I like a little spice in the summer. You know, because it makes me think of like, Crawfish, crawfish bowls. And, oh, man. Yeah. Spicy, man. But, and also, I mean, again, I think the English just had a disservice because Northwoods wasn't in there. Uh, Damn it, Patrick. What? You know it's crawfish season. That's all I'm going to be thinking about. <laughs> I might have to give me some crawfish. I got to get down to Louisiana. I think you're going in a... Month, I don't know, a few weeks or so, ain't you? Yeah, something like that. I might have to travel down there. <laughs> so, you gonna bring back some crawfish? I might. I don't know, man. I'll give me a couple bat sackfuls of those little mud puppies. <laughs> mud puppies. But, well, I could put those things away, though. It's dangerous. I like, yeah, yeah. I like it in etouffee. Mm-hmm. I think a tad bit more, if it's if if it's done right, but I mean they're good. Etouffee is so good. Yeah. I now want a po' boy. <laughs> oh, I'm thinking about his Creole and Cajun food. 
Mm. I had some catfish and some kind of Creole seasoning last night. Oh, that sounds good. That was tasty. I love blackened catfish and fried catfish. Mm-hmm. Wrapped them up. It's a little old Vietnamese-style dish in a way because it was like they were wrapped up in some lettuce with some cilantro dipped in some spicy chili fish sauce. I've been eating red beans and rice here lately. Red beans and rice and catfish is awesome. Yeah, it is. You know what I like? What? Uh, what those New Orleans folks taught me is that you eat gumbo with potato salad. Mm. That is legit. Like I, That's the way I do it now. I'm like, I'll have a thing of gumbo. Also, don't forget my potato salad. And then I just eat them both together. Do you like your potato salad room temperature, warm, cold? How do you like it? Room temperature. I like it. Personally, of course, if I'm eating it with gumbo, it don't really matter, but I like it room temperature. If it's a harder... The way I like a potato salad is on a picnic table. It's been sitting out in the sun. And it's got like 20 flies in it. That's the way I like my potato salad. <laughs> That's traditional <laughs> potato salad. Like if a fly hadn't vomited on your potato salad, are you even eating potato salad? See, I like it a little warm if it's a runnier potato, potato salad. Yeah. Like more like the consistency of mashed potatoes. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes it'll come that way. Mm-hmm. I want that warm. Now, if I don't have, I'll tell you this, if I don't have uh, gumbo, I douse it in Louisiana hot sauce. Your potato salad? Shoot, yeah. Mm, that sounds good. And crystal if I'm on a budget. I like crystal. If I'm slumming it. You know what, that's, you know what I hate? What? I hate that because now you've you've brought to light a consistency that I that I have seen in my an inconsistency I've seen in myself. What's that, bud? So you know this this whole time I've been talking about taste, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like nothing else is a factor in this debrachetology. Right. But you and me have had the not an argument, just a debate over what's better, Louisiana, hot sauce or crystal. Mm-hmm. And I always I, I'm I go crystal more than I go Louisiana and my old. It's probably false statistics, but I'm like I usually go with what I see on the restaurant tables when I go in, when I go to Louisiana, and I hardly ever see Louisiana. I always see Crystal, so I'm like, well, that means that, that the people of Louisiana like Crystal more than they like Louisiana. But 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 where I'm getting an in, inconsistency in myself is the fact that Crystal is cheaper usually pay, <laughs> plays a role. And why I pick Crystal over Louisiana. But to me, Crystal has a more vinegary taste. I think that's why I like it. To me. Which is my problem, too, because I love vinegar more than anything. Mm -hmm. And you're right about Crystal, but I still like Louisiana more. I don't get that. Mm. It's like, like for some reason, that gum Louisiana Crystal bamboozled me. That is crazy. But maybe it's because it just the vinegar's there. But I need. I think Louisiana is a little spicier, and that's probably. Really? Where, yeah, and I like my spice. And I'm gonna be honest with you. I haven't had Louisiana enough. Well, I've I had mean, Crystal a lot. Yeah. And I think what got me into like go, it started in college. Okay, I didn't. Late high school, like senior, junior, senior year of high school. That's when I started really getting into spicy food. Mm-hmm. And so I just like you know. On a college bud- budget, I walked in one day. I wanted hot dogs. It was summertime. I wanted to grill some hot dogs. I'm like, well, I don't want no bullcrap ketchup or mustard or nothing on there this time. Mm-hmm. I just want hot sauce. Right. I just saw that white little old bottle of Crystal, and I said, Man, that looks good. Because it was around the time when, um, uh, I guess, Anchorman 2 was coming out, mm-hmm. and Miller Lite went back to that white 
can. And I'm just like, just that plain, simple white can. Is that a thumbs up or a thumbs down for you? Oh, it's a thumbs up. I love that white can. And, I mean, it was only supposed to. if anybody, I want to say something real quick. Patrick totally won me over with, like, a simplistic design format for, like, everything. Like, I enjoy, I never really thought about that until he sort of was, like, going over design with me. And, and not that Patrick's a design major, he's just a clever guy, and he just understands what's aesthetically pleasing. And for some reason, I kind of like things being loaded down, or I had. But then he showed me, like, well, if you take this and this away, look how it, like, frames this up and looks nicer. Just anything. Advertising, photographs, whatever. Yeah. Patrick's kind of a amateur, amateur in a good way, like, like for the love of it, uh, photographer. The original, just in case you guys didn't know, amateur was someone who did something to not be paid, but to be to, to love it. So yeah. the original well, the definition way, of it. Well, the amateur. way golfers are described today, an mm-hmm. amateur golfer doesn't mean they're not good. It just means they don't... <laughs> They, they don't have like they don't get paid right but so but i mean he's a good photographer i mean like the reason why you guys i mean check out our instagram you know i mean that's patrick i like what he does so but you know he doesn't frou-frou things up or well, frou-frou it up that's not the right word he doesn't clutter things okay. anyway so what he's describing you know that's what I like, and the reason I like that are just because of Patrick. Well, thank you. Yeah, I didn't, and I really didn't even notice that you were paying attention to that stuff until you were like, "Yeah, look at all the, the nice simplistic folders." I'm up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even realize you were paying attention to that. Mm-hmm. But, but now, yeah, like back talking about that Miller Lite can, it was only supposed to be for a summer, but their sales, I think, when they switched to the white can or white label. Their sales went up 200%. Really? Yeah. So, like, they, so, like, that's why you won't see Miller Lite go back to that blue label. It's, it's going to be white, it's going to be a white label again until that's no longer retro. And then they probably will go back to, like, the, like, the old Rusty Wallace Blue Deuce looking NASCAR uh, (laughs) logo. They'll, They'll do that probably a decade. But, uh. Man, yeah, yeah. Somebody said because a lot of times it is mental, because even the even the um, like the higher ups, like uh, I think not the CEO, but I think like the marketing guy for Miller Lite, mm-hmm. Miller Coors or whatever, he was like, man, it just tastes better. The white label, and they like, they didn't do anything to the recipe. Mm-hmm. It's the same Miller Lite that's in the blue can was the same Miller Lite that was in the white can, but he's like, man, it just tastes better. <laughs> well, like, it's just interesting how, like, marketing plays, like, such a huge factor into things like that, you mm-hmm. know? What's even funnier is, is that, like, you know, I mean, Bud Light and Miller, I think, they're all at war with each other right now. Well, and a lot of them are, like, owned by the same people. Like, Coors and Miller is the same people. Um, you know, like, Bud, Bud Natty, Michelob, they're, they're all the same people. Mm. But see now, Bud or Bud Light, you know they rebranded like their stuff, and I think it looks good. It's a lot cleaner, a lot simpler looking. Um, Bud Lights is. Um, do you think there's a, a certain, to a certain extent, do you think that there's some nostalgia in that? Uh, yeah, I mean that's definitely the reason why I like the simpler stuff. Is it seems, 
Okay. When I was in college, so you were already out of college. Mm-hmm. We would have never been in college at the same time because there's a five-year difference between us. Right. Um, but when I started college was when people started like liking 80s stuff, it seems like, more. It seemed like, or at least I did. Now, nobody was talking about it, but I was like, I like that. Like, okay, this shows a little bit of redneckiness of me. Um, like NASCAR, there's a track in South Carolina called Darlington. It is my favorite track. It is it's shaped like a carabiner, um, and it, it's just an awesome track. The, the Lady in Gray, I think, is what they call it. Just because you always bump against the wall, and there's like leaves gray streaks around the <laughs> around the edge. Right. Um, or the, I think they call it the Darlington Gray Streak or something like that. Hmm. But every, they started a, around the time I was in college. They started doing where that race is a throwback race. So, like, NBC always covers it. So the NBC logo changes to the old, like, where it fully shows a whole peacock. Mm. And the, the announcers started wearing, like, 70s-looking um, suits. And all the cars would throw back to a car from the old, like, the paint scheme. And I was like, man, this is so cool. Like, the NASCAR logo went old-school-looking. Like, like, I love this. And, like, they would play old commercials. Like there were some commercials that they that they scrounged up. Like there was like an old Pepsi commercial or an old Mountain Dew commercial, and they showed it during the race. But I think people started liking that, and I think maybe I just don't pay attention to things that are happening out, outside of me. Mm-hmm. As, not, as maybe I'm too not narcissistic, but like I just I I I start to like things because I like I start to like them. I don't really pay attention to. To if if maybe the commercialism is manipulating me to like it, I just realize you know I like stuff like that. So um, yeah, it's for the love of the thing. Hopefully, personal, personal. Hopefully, and so like I just started liking that minimalistic stuff mixed with like maybe like flashy, uh, like you know I think last year Hardy's Hardy's threw back to an old logo. What you got there? These are the cars and the old paint schemes. Yeah. I was just looking it up because I yeah. thought that was kind of neat. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, so the, uh, like, I think at, around the time, I, like, when I got out of college, I moved down to Birmingham and I started watching Miami Vice. And, like, I just, I, I love the pastel color clothes. <laughs> and, like, uh, like, and I've always liked, like, short shorts, things like that. Like, I mm-hmm. like that kind of look. Um, so I, don't know, I don't know. I guess just plain, simple, 80s stuff sort of just seeped into me, and it's sort of stayed. Now, of course, I, we're probably getting to a point where people, where the 80s kind of nostalgia stuff is probably oversaturating a lot of stuff. I don't know if we've hit that bubble yet. It's gonna. It'll take a shift into the nineties. Yeah, because like the Stranger Things really pushed it, pushed it up a notch. Well, I mean, like you know, you were saying that you didn't experience. mm, You might have suggested that I didn't experience in college. Oh, you probably did, but it was there. Glimpses of it. You can actually go back to some of the music we were listening to in high school and college, like. 
I'm trying to think of what's that video? Paper Planes by um, you know, a lot of her stuff had like kind of an '80s vibe. A lot of the bands I listened to had some '80s mm. thing going on. Yeah, it's sort of like it's sort of you know, I mean, fashion to a certain extent and culture to a certain extent, even in larger cities, sort of dictates what the rest of the country and it. It typically takes a, a the internet's changed things like quite extensively, but it usually takes a couple of years, or it did before the internet's like omnipresence really solidified it, uh, or solidified the kind of the nowness of a trend. But um, yeah, I think back in college, it would be safe to say that things still took time to get to us. Yeah, in the South, from Atlanta, Nashville, which would take some time to get from New York or Chicago or L.A. Yeah, so, I mean, you could almost say that when we were in college, it took maybe six months to a year before we really caught on, maybe. Now, I mean, it happens almost overnight because of the Internet. Man, the the Internet is like the great unifier. Yeah. I mean, it can't, you can't, there's nothing culturally that you can hide from me anymore. Mm-hmm. Wow, we have not talked about this tobacco at all. I just realized. <laughs> yeah, we haven't. <laughs> hopefully, um, hopefully that's not. Hopefully that doesn't mean anything according to the to the blend itself. Because I, I I enjoy it. I, I, it's about on eh, par it's with. Right. It's, it's, a, it's about middle. To me, middle low actually. See, I think it's better than Stokeby. Or it's around Stokeby. It's it's playing. It's it's I've in the same more, ballpark with it. I've had more success with Stokeby tasting like Fillmore than I have with Telegraph Hill tasting like Fillmore. Mm. See, that makes me think I'm, I may not like Fillmore. I don't know yet. Remember, I said it only happened once in an entire smoke on the last podcast. Well, I guess, I'm, yeah. But I guess what I'm saying is. That Telegraph Hill hasn't done it once. Mm. Mm. I'll have to see. I'm really more excited. Now, how can I? Do you you like Fillmore more than Westminster? Uh, like the English. Always oh, Westminster in English. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I got confused. No, you're good. I was just thinking GLPs, GLPs. You know, like sixpence. Oh, is that another GLP's vapor? Yeah. You like it? Yeah, it's good. What's Temple Bar? Temple Bar's not. It's got. It's like Oriental. Oh. Basically, it's just, a, a, it's like a true Oriental, like where it's like Virginia Oriental and I think Barrique. But you like Fillmore more than Sixpence? Yes. Do you like this more than Sixpence? This? Yes. Telegraph Hill. No. What about Stratford? I like this one with Stratford. I don't know yet. I've smoked a lot of Stratford. This seems a little spicier, so I like it. I don't like the humdrum nature of it, which is the same thing I associate with Elizabethan. Yeah. Man, that, if it if this shakes out the way it's leaning, Margate came in last in English, and it looks like Elizabethan's going to come in last in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, not all Dunhills are going to be made the same. 
the irony is is that the same producer of both Elizabethan and Escudo is Scandinavian Tobacco Group. So how can they produce something that's not good and something that's real good? I don't know. To me, and to me, again, I don't think that cut has anything to do with it, with the taste. Because heck, if you if you if if you wanted a ribbon cut at Scudo, or a you know broken up Scudo, just rub it out, mm-hmm. and sell it that way, and it would still be better than Elizabethan. There's you know honestly, if they had a rubbed out a Scudo, I don't know if I'd ever buy it. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I don't know if I would either. It's just, I guess, if you wanted to push your product out, some people may not like medallions. Mm-hmm. That's like I said. I, I want to try Peter Sokoby, uh What monster Navy. doesn't like a medallion? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Potentially, somebody might not. I think. Uh, I think old stuff and things don't really care for. Him. I mean, I, I don't think he hates them, but I got some stuff for his things. <laughs> now, hold on, wait. What's Cavie's mixture? It's curly cut. But is it a vapor? Yeah. Man, I wish it had made it in. Yeah, I got some of that at the house, too. It's good. You think it's better than all the ones we've... All four of these? Mm, no, not... It's probably on par with the Scudo. Hmm. It also has, like, some characteristics that I see in um, Telegraph Hill, but not, like... Not not to a super major degree. No, no. It's a nice day out. Mm-hmm. Everybody's hustling, bustling. Someone's got an electric lawnmower over there. Oh, yeah. But, no, I mean, I, I would definitely recommend Telegraph Hill to someone that's sort of, you know... I agree. There, there, there are better vapors, but it's it's worth a go. Mm-hmm. It's worth a go, like just to, for your own personal benefit. Um, I think everybody should probably do the stuff and things challenge, as I call it. Smoke some Stratford, smoke some Telegraph Hill, and smoke some Fillmore, and see what you think. No. You don't think so? Nope. I yeah. think that they should smoke Fillmore. We done with it. Pence, and jackknife plug mm. and there's a ready rub I think jackknife yeah rub. yeah I haven't had that or triple play I can't remember it's one of those whichever one the crap there is a ready rub jackknife plug I know that give me a second folks and the re- <laughs> Patrick, entertain our crowd. Yeah. I'm looking up the Let me woo you with my words of wisdom. I, I, I like Stratford a lot. Like, I don't know if it'll stay in my steady rotation. But I really like Stratford. I think it's worth people's time. Not doing no. It's got to be triple. Yeah, it probably is triple play. I know Jackknife is a ready rub, or they come with a ready rub, but I don't, as far as what's a vapor, I don't know. But. Triple play might not be, it might be something else too. 
Yeah, it could be. But it's got Kentucky in it, but it's close enough. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of triple play. I think triple play is actually not that bad. Now I don't like bars, so that's saying something. Yeah. I don't know, man. I I don't think you can. I don't think you can discredit Stratford and Telegraph Hill so lightly. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I need to smoke more. And at the end of the day, really, I mean. If you know somebody that's got one, that's got some of these blends, just, you know, try them first. If you're, if you're talking about, it's hard to say because everybody's taste is different. Everybody's got their own personal thing. But, you know, if, if you don't want to go buy three tens of GLP's vapors, then, yeah, you're probably right. Just go ahead and just buy you some Fillmore. And, you know, if you want a little bit of a different kick or, I mean, a different taste, so, like, in the same vein as, you know, you like Margate, you want something a little bit different, go Pembroke, right? I guess in the same way, if you like Fillmore, you want something a little bit different, go Sixpence. It gives you it gives you a little bit something different. Mm-hmm. But if you got the money and you got the time and you like experimenting with tobacco, get you get you some Stratford, get you some Telegraph Hill, and get you some Fillmore. And I guess get you some Sixpence. Well, now the interesting thing about Sixpence and the reason why I would say it Sixpence has such a aromatic topping on it. It's actually shocking. It has something on there that smells like a smell like grapeco to me, but like kind of like a cheap wine. So that's why I compare it to Pembroke. It's just ugh, but it tastes good. So that's why I recommend it. Personally, if you want to go, if you want to go toe to toe with three, one's got a little burly in it, but I would go. Um, I got two P's recommendations. That'd be Fillmore and Sixpence, and then Reiner Gold or 71 blend, which has, a, I think, a touch of white Burley in it. So Burley's going to take on the characteristics of the Virginia and the Perique anyway, but then it's got a topper of honey and orange. That's my preference. So I think personally that would be the way I would, I would roll, roll that. Yeah. I would do that avenue before I would do, say, Stratford, Telegraph Hill, not to say that anything's wrong with that, but I mean, I just can't imagine. I mean, like you know, you got a gray Ford, and you're riding down a gray road to a gray couch and a gray day. Yeah, I'd smoke Stratford. <laughs> Sorry, I'm busting Patrick's chops a little bit. I can see him just shaking his head. Patrick could be a great like villain in a Miami cocaine heist film right now. <laughs> Got my Hawaiian shirt on. <laughs> Looking like a mob boss ready to kill someone. Look, well, sort of going back, just changing things up a little bit here. Going back to what you said about people probably smell that little bit of topping on Fillmore and sort of, you know, waving it off. In my personal opinion, the smell hardly ever really indicates what that smoke's going to be like. The 10 note smell. Is, is never going to indicate how good it's going to be. It, now, the... I don't agree. Really? I can smell... If I smell plum, I'm going to probably love it. That's why every time I open up a tin of University Flake in the past, I just that smell, I'm just like, I'm there. 100%. Oh. Every time. Uh, the first time I smelled in soda bed, 
Oh, and Soda Bed, yes. I smelled it and I was like, I'm going to love this. It and Pembroke. There's no doubt that I'm not going to love this. When I smelled it and Pembroke, I yep. knew. I mean, that's, but it's funny, you're probably right with, if it's lacking topping. Do but I? if I can, if it lacks a topping, then I'm oh. not, or if the topping is something I don't like. Like, whenever I smell vanilla or custard or, mm-hmm. or something, I'm just like, this is going to be terrible. I'm about to ruin my day right now by smoking this. That's my opinion, obviously. But do you ever? Does it ever ruin your day? An aromatic that's Virginia, yeah. or I mean, that's a vanilla yeah. cherry. I hate it. Oh, okay. I feel like well, maybe I am wrong. Man. I was just thinking for me, like. Maybe. Well, that no, no, you're not wrong. That's what I'm saying. If it lacks a topping, well, I was and it saying it smells like just like sort of figgy raisins or something like that with a little touch of hay. Yeah. There's no, or, or it's just a Latakia, and then there's like a little spice of Oriental, and maybe some hay of the of the Virginia or something like that. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be any overpowering aromatic topping or something. Yeah, it's probably difficult to tell whether or not you're going to come through with the smoke. Smell any one of these. I I swear you could probably smell every single one of these vapors that we've had, from a Scudo all the way to Telegraph Hill, and I bet you, I bet you, it would be difficult to tell the difference in just scent alone. But I can smoke the difference out of them. Yeah. But now, well, two points. One, I was I was even referencing tobaccos that do have toppings because I was trying to say like, if the topping of Fillmore sh- shoes you away, it shouldn't shoo you away. But I think what it is for me is, I have not smoked enough to find toppings that bother me. So I don't even really I don't pay I don't pay any mind to to the topping. Like I just I smell it, I'm like, oh, you know, it's got a decent smell or maybe it's got a little pungent smell or something, but I'm like, I'm not gonna make any kind of judgment until I smoke it. But Patrick had an interesting transition, uh, if I could speak to your pipe. He had maybe a month to smoke an aromatic. He basically quit for a year. Yeah, I did, yeah. <laughs> And then he came back, and I don't think he really smoked aromatics ever again. Just, well, two. I mean, you got to think about that, man. You know how wild that is? That's not even a thing. That's mm-hmm. like a non-thing. Most people have to, to really, most early pipe smokers, especially if they don't have, like, a brick and mortar or someone that they can rely on to give them helpful information, most of them are going to start with an aromatic, and they're going to have to fight their, they're going to have to really like tobacco, and kind of fight their way through what I call the bland year. The only reason I smoke an aromatic at all is if I'm out in public and I want people around me not to be offended. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm at a city park or something like that. And I'm going to smoke it. It's usually I usually smoke a pipe. We have this thing called the Tinsel Trail. And it's just a bunch of Christmas trees by companies that have been put up and decorated. And my wife and I go walk um, this trail. And I smoke a pipe. And I always make sure I smoke a chocolate or a vanilla. It's awful, but no one around me is upset about it. They let you walk through there with the pipe? Yeah. I mean, it, it's out in the open. I've been through it before, but... See, that's one thing. It's, <laughs> I almost view, like, pipe smoking in the same vein as I view, like, carrying a gun. Like, I don't, like it's almost like you look down, you get looked down upon. You're like, you don't know where you can go into places or you can't go into places. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, like, comfortable with both. If I see a guy smoking a pipe, I'm comforted. And if I see a guy open carrying, I'm like, I do not feel... If he's open carrying, I don't feel like he's going to do anything. That's what cracks me up. Actually, I'm... People are more paranoid about open carrying. Every time I see a gun, I'm just like, I doubt he's going to use it. 
I mean, I see the logic in that. Oh, dang, I hate you. Keep bringing up inconsistencies in my own self. Because actually, I don't want to know if you have a gun. But actually, I'm probably safer if the guy is open carrying. I just don't like I just don't really. I feel like he's setting the tone. And he's just like, yeah, I'll use it. But I mean, why would I? Yeah. Whereas if you're concealing it, it's like, why are you hiding it? Yeah. You know what I mean? You got some malicious activity going on? Mm-hmm. I don't I don't ever see that many people open carry, but the last time I did see somebody open carry, it was in a church. And that's what sort of bugged me. I'm not saying you shouldn't open carry in church. It's just with all the craziness that's been yeah, going on. God, Christ had all those passages about how much he was into Kalishnikovs and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think it was in Matthew. <laughs> but no, like, like with all the crazy stuff that's been going on, it's like when I saw that guy with the open carry, I was just like, bruh. But Why I mean, I'm like, I'm glad you're there because what if somebody dis- does come in? Well, they conceal. I don't want to know that you got a gun in the house of the Lord. That's my opinion on that. But that's the same way with me. Now, look, I'm a, okay, so like we're going to get a little religious for a second, but it'll be quick. If you're in church... Like, I'm sort of a prude when it comes to stuff like that because I'm sort of traditional. Yeah. I don't want to see a hat on your head. I don't want you to be wearing shorts. I definitely don't want you carrying a gun. Yeah. I mean, I'm sort of with yeah, you. You don't that. have to. Even even if you don't believe, just have, like, a little bit of respect for the, the building that people are worshiping in, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to go around eating bacon in front of a, a mosque. Or, like, try to make someone do some work on a Saturday in front of a synagogue. It's ridiculous. It's just disrespectful. Yeah. I'm not going to open carry as a Christian in a church. Yeah. And see, I think we get a little bit more crazy here. I feel like religious places are, are, at least for me, even the way it's been going, it's almost like I don't like the fact that people can can be afraid in their in a place that they're supposed to find something connect to something that's greater than themselves that they believe in and and like it's almost like you know what there there's terrorist attacks that happen they're they're always going to happen and you know it's just fact right but man it's almost like churches religious places should just be off limits like there should be some kind of dignity about well, it well yeah i mean it seems vulgar to attack something like that but huh? i mean like you know, I mean, it's like, Christians are just as notoriously awful for it. I mean, like, oh, yeah. a woman going to get an abortion, say, right? Now, we could, I'm not trying to get super political here. But, like, she shouldn't, She's regardless of what you feel on it, that's a tough decision. I mean, she shouldn't be taking it lightly, I'm assuming. Yeah. But she should also not be fearful of getting, like, bombed or shot at by Christians who, like, would... When in the world would that be okay Yeah. in their text? Well, I'll say two things to that statement. One, it's it's legal right now. If you want to change that, go about it a legal way, right? That's why I had problems with Roy Moore and the gay marriage stuff. I was like, listen, it's the law now. If you want to change it, do something legally to change it. You know, and if you don't agree with it, then step down and let somebody else get elected that will carry out the law as it is. Mm-hmm. But my second point is, I heard this the other day, and I never really thought about it, but it's so true. You cannot say that you're pro-life and blow up abortion clinics. Because how can you take a life and be pro-life? That's a, that's a 
perfect point. Yeah. You don't have to agree with so, with someone's stance, but, like, you can still cherish life outside of it. Yeah. And, like, here's another thing, too. Like, if you believe in, like, the sort of forgiveness of the Father and the Son, and then and that all, all creatures, in a way, are, like... If you're a Christian, this is the philosophy of Christianity, that everything is fallible and that they can be forgiven and that there's a greater purpose for them, then... Why don't you bomb them with prayer, you know? Yeah. In your privacy of your home. I mean, like, what, you know, just, you know, I don't want to get, like I said, with me, like, I don't, you won't hear me going after non-religious folks or people of other religions because I think that the problem that the church has right now is that, that technically it is not, it is not a... There, there needs to be some, like an inner quest, so to speak. They need to, they really need to look into their own house, and have some reform, because you can believe that a sin is a sin and we shouldn't do it, but um, what does politics have to do with that? What is, I mean, the church is like involved with all the stuff that really isn't getting it anywhere. Yeah, I think right. that's dangerous terrain. I think it's, it's perverted the philosophy and the kindness and the forgiveness and the sanctity that, you know, Christ established. Sorry, we're getting close to Easter, guys, so I'm getting a little probably. But all I'm saying is, is there's that, you know? Yeah. I don't think it's, it's, it's not a make or break. I have tons of friends who are non-religious friends, close friends. I take a bullet for, you know? Oh, yeah. Um. Uh, there's people I work with who don't believe, and, like, I love them. Oh, They're yeah. also heavy workers, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you know, I mean, it's a, it, I don't feel like one way or another I'm. it's, like, some sort of defective character flaw or anything no. like that. Yeah. Uh, I bought, so, but, yeah. like, you should, you should act accordingly. You should be different. If that's what your, you know, your religion established up. I mean, if your religion is a religion of hate and murder... I don't know what that would be, but like if you if you know if you were in this murder Christianity, I guess maybe then that's okay. But like I don't know how how that's gonna jive with anything. Yeah. And then you I mean you sort of get into some of those we'll get into that later. But I you know, I've always said like, listen, I'm I'm gonna hang out with a nice, um, loving, uh, respectful atheist. I'll, I'll pick hanging out with them every day over a piece of junk, um, you know, egotistical, um, just stupid Christian. You know, mm-hmm. any day of the week. Like, if, you, if you're a mean person, like a complete dick. Well, hate is hate. Yeah. Not you me. know, I mean, how much of what you do proactively within your community. I mean, like, we bust each other's shops and stuff like that, but that's not out of hate. Mm-mm. As a matter of fact, if I didn't like a person, I probably wouldn't do the things that I do. Probably um, wouldn't speak much to them. I don't really speak much to people I'm not fond of. Or well, why waste your time? It's not, it's just like, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. There's no other way to phrase it than me. It sounds well, harsh, but it's you're right. I mean, it's like, probably not going to go out of my way to do anything. I will go out of my way to try to introduce myself to someone, and if they 
reciprocate and there's something there to it, and then we can develop something out of that, like a friendship or, you know, like with my wife, a relationship. But, you know, I mean, like, if you're sort of um, sick, distant, um, you know, you have kind of a malignant personality that's dark. And, I mean, I, I, I have a joking manner about me that's dark but like you know I mean I'm talking about like for real deal where it's just like man I cannot be around this person Mm -hmm. and I'm I'm probably not going to spend too much time with you I'm going to try to cut ties as quick as possible for the younger viewers you'll understand this as you start to get into your 30s and 40s man like if you don't cut some of that stuff off it it weighs you down yeah I always compare it to like uh, sinking ships you know um You'll never be able to bail out a ship that's sinking when yours is being drugged down by that ship. Like, you need to cut ties and get away from it and then assess. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Especially if yours is sinking, too, you know? You have to, like, own your own house. And well, it's like what they tell you on the airplanes. But that could be... Yeah. Put your mask on before you help other people. Right. But that could be for anything. That's not That's not religious or, or political or anything. I think right now the biggest problem is people don't have conversations. Oh. Yeah, I heard on the radio today, in in our area in the in the the Huntsville, Alabama metro area, I heard it on the radio. I think the Huntsville Muslim Society or Islamic Society had some kind of commercial talking about how they're having like a community picnic thing where they open to the public and they want people to come and just you know get to know people, mm-hmm. have a sense of community. Uh, between them and people who aren't Muslim in the community. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, that's what we need. Now, you know, it, it could be a complete political stunt, but I hope it's not. I hope it's just a. Uh, well, you hope sincere. something like that would be altruistic, I guess. Yeah, you and that's know? the problem. A lot, of, a lot of times it's hard right now. You, it's hard to separate what is altruistic and what's politically motivated. Right. Especially with religion. Oh, I mean, you should you should treat religions the same way you treat religion in the state. You know, they're, they're basically separate entities. And yes. just because the state has a law, okay, we're going to use abortion again, sorry guys. But, um, because that seems like something that people really disagree with in certain religious organizations, right? Oh, yeah. And that's, that's fine, you know, you think it's not good, right? But at the same time, it's like, Make sure that you're teaching that within your thing, and then you vote accordingly. But that doesn't mean that you, I mean, like, if you're not doing it, you know, that's separating it out already, and that's a good start. Yeah, exactly. And then your funds and your vote should go to a certain thing, too. Like, you know, if you want to raise money for awareness or to help women who have decided to have a baby, and you're helping them by providing them diapers and things like that. Those are the good things. To me, the rallies and the, and the insane arguments that lead to fist fights and explosions, that's what we got to get away from. Well, yeah, because... I don't think you shouldn't have an opinion. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that the way in which we're going about it has gotten so extreme. The gap is so wide now between different people that there's no way to communicate anyway. Yeah, I mean... I mean, you got to think about it. If it's... If, if once upon a time, let's we'll use left and right. We don't have to, you know, that's pretty simplistic. 
if left and right were only separated by a stream, you could speak, right? Yeah. Stream was babbling. Maybe there's a little white noise in there, but you could speak. If that stream over, say, got rough and cut out a gorge that eventually became a canyon, right? The only people that can be heard are the people who are yelling the loudest. Yep. And that's where we're at right now. Yeah. The only people being heard upon, across the rift are the most vile, yelling, spewing nightmares. And the real people who actually should be conversing are getting drowned by the river or falling off into the canyon. Because, I mean, they can't. Because you're blindly trying to... Uh, and another thing, too, that's even more kind of maybe poignant to this metaphor is, is that you can't fall off if you're really trying hard to listen to the voices because you're leaning in and then eventually you fall in. Yep. And that's not good. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, look, and sort of pulling it back to what you were saying, it's like calling somebody a baby murderer, that's not going to win anybody over. How does that win? And I'm not trying to like say arguments should be won and things like that. I'm just, I'm just saying... How are you going to create change when you're spewing hate? The love of of a <laughs> of an unborn child does not justify the hate of the person killing them. And that's another thing too, like uh, exactly what you're saying. You know, when you get to that level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where you're just saying, you, you know, I think I said this on a, a podcast earlier. Watch Twelve Angry Men. Yeah, it's an interesting. Um, it's like a case study. In it's a way. like a case study on how you argue. Mm-hmm. If you're if you come in like blasting, you're not going to get you're, you're alienating people. Yeah, it, because like it's all about like the the whole arc of that story is is that one of the guys wasn't sure he leaned into his unsured mindset yeah more so than he leaned into like oh, i'm pretty sure everyone else was confirmed yeah and he was like i don't know and that one question and the inability to actually say that he was sure about being unsure yeah you know, he wasn't even really he was just like i mean you're, you guys are probably right he wasn't even super confirmed you know, that caused issues as well. Yeah. It's, but, a, it's a good it's a good movie. Yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. Please, people go home and watch it. <laughs> but we'll, we'll pick up some more of this stuff uh, tomorrow on our conclusion to The Vapors. Mm-hmm. So, hope you enjoyed this not talk about Telegraph Hill. Well, we've talked about it enough. Nah, I might tell you what we're going to do tomorrow. But, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed 10 minutes of Telegraph Hill. And 50 minutes of something else. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Y'all enjoy yourselves. (laughs) Bye. This has been a Pipecast production. And we hope to see you at the next Full Bowl.